Welcome to Anchor Point, where we believe that the next 30 minutes could change your life forever. So join us to consider the greatest message ever heard, the good news of the gospel, as well as sound scriptural teaching for believers, all based on the Word of God, the anchor for our souls. One of the characteristics of the God of the Bible is His sovereignty. That is His absolute power and control over everything. We as mere human beings often make what we consider to be watertight plans that we are absolutely determined to follow through as intended. How often, though, are they changed, postponed, or even canceled? We forget the disclaimer often made in the Word of God with the little words, but God. Yes, God has the final word. Perhaps we face some very difficult circumstances in life, and there seems to be no way out. Or even worse, we learn about our sinful condition before a holy God and come to realize that there is nothing that we can do about it. In this case, the words, but God, bring us tremendous consolation and hope when we understand that God knows the problem and has moved to solve it for us. In today's broadcast, evangelist Mr. Marvin Dirksen takes a look at some of the but gods in Scripture. And we would all be wise to consider the will of God in our lives, the purposes of the creator and sustainer of the entire universe himself. And we trust that the good news of the gospel will cause you to respond with praise and thanksgiving today. Luke chapter 12 and verse number 16. And he spake a parable unto them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully. And he thought, or he reasoned within himself, saying, What shall I do? Because I have no room where to bestow my fruits. And he said, This will I do. I will pull down my barns and build greater. And there I will I bestow all my fruits and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. And if your Bible is like my Bible, there's the end of the quotation. And there's a period there. A watertight plan. Notice the next two words. But God, but God said unto him, Thou fool, you unwise man, thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then who shall those things be which thou hast provided? So is he that layeth up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. Over to the book of the Acts. A few pages over, chapter 13 now. And we're just going to go down at verse number 27. Paul is speaking to a lot of his own countrymen from his own nation. In verse 27, they that dwell in Jerusalem and their rulers, because they knew him not, that's of course Christ, because they knew him not, nor yet the voices of the prophets which are read every Sabbath day, they have fulfilled them in condemning him. Though they found no cause of death in him, yet desired they Pilate, that'd be the Roman governor, yet desired they Pilate that he should be slain, killed. And when they had fulfilled all that was written of him, They took him down from the tree and laid him in a sepulcher. Notice there's a period there, period. Notice the next two words, but God. But God raised him from the dead, and he was seen many days of them which came up with him from Galilee to Jerusalem, who are his witnesses unto the people, and we declare unto you glad tidings. What are they? Verse 38, be it known unto you therefore, men and brethren, that through this man is preached unto you the forgiveness 
of sins. Wonderful. One final portion in Ephesians chapter 2. A few pages over to the right in our Bible, Ephesians chapter 2 and verse number 1. And you hath he quickened, you hath he made alive. Spiritually speaking, now you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. Where in time past ye walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, that be the devil himself, the spirit that now works in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation, our lifestyle in times past in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. And you'll notice there's a period there. Notice the next two words. But God, who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace ye are saved and hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ. That in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. That's, that's one of my favorite verses. That's a thrilling verse. For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. I'm likely going to date myself, but I'd just like to speak about some punctuation in the Bible. Now, I realize that uh, all the texters here likely don't use punctuation, so I'm from a different era. I'm from the, the time zone when we had to do grammar. Ever heard about grammar? You don't do grammar anymore, do you? Uh, grammar's not important. Just say it the way it is. Don't worry about the little details. Well, we had to learn grammar. We had to dissect passages. We had to look at all the punctuation. And tonight, very simply, I just want to look at some of the punctuation that men put in and some of the punctuation that God puts in. You say, Marv, I don't know where you're going with this. Well, I want to speak tonight, first of all, about the dash, the dash between time and eternity. The man had put a period there. His plans were all made. He was booked through. He had everything watertight. It was guaranteed. He had a long, long, long life ahead of him. You have all kinds of things laid up for many years. So just sit back and relax and enjoy it. Period. He didn't realize that God was going to have the, the last word. And we read these words, but God said. There is a dash between time and eternity. Death is not the end of our existence. There is something after. And God wants you to take a long look tonight, the dash between time and eternity. We have read in Acts chapter 13 about the exclamation mark between the cross and the empty tomb. The world, when they looked at a dead Christ, they said, that's the end of him. We'll never have to deal with this imposter again. He's a blasphemer. He tells lies. He's a no good. We don't want him. Put him on a cross. And when they saw him breathe his last, they said, period, he's out of here. Never have to deal with him again. But God raised him from the dead. And instead of a period with no hope, God put an exclamation mark. And he says, that's not the end of the story. There is an empty tomb. There is a risen Christ. And tonight what we're declaring in this auditorium is that the man who hung upon a cross is alive, living in the power of an endless life. He is all he claimed to be. And his power is unabated. He is able to save Every soul that will come to him tonight, Jesus Christ lives. Because he lives, we can face tomorrow. And because he lives, every Christian has a glorious future. And because he lives, our faith is not in vain. And because he lives, we have an eternal purpose. And we know where we're going. Because he lives makes the difference. Instead of a period, 
There's an exclamation mark. God says, take a look at this. Look into the empty tomb. He's alive. And tonight you need to face the risen Christ. We have read finally about the comma between our guilt and God's grace. First three verses of Ephesians chapter 2 are are desperate verses. They describe who we are. They describe what we're doing. They describe the course we're on. They describe the hopelessness of a guilty soul. That was my diagnosis. That was my x-ray. That's what God said about the speaker. At the end of those verses, there is a period because apart from God's dealings, I'd still be in my sins. But I'm so thankful that there was that phrase, but God who is rich in mercy. For his great love wherewith he loved us hath quickened us together with Christ. And all the next few verses just take our minds and our souls and we soar upward to understand that in the ages to come, he'll show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. I just can't help but sense that Paul is is trying to find different words, more words to describe the immensity of God's amazing grace. And he concludes, for by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. And tonight, God is offering you, every single one, unconditionally, this amazing gift. It cost him everything. It's offered freely. It's offered without any discrimination. God is no respecter of persons. It doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't matter where you're coming from. But he's offering you this wonderful gift. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. I'm going to heaven because Christ died for me. Nothing in my hands I bring, simply to thy cross I cling. Christ died for me is the truth that I learned in an upstairs bedroom 40 years ago. Young university student. But it was a turning point, the greatest turning point in my life. Instead of a period, God says there's more. There's a comma. Read on, Marv. But God, and tonight that simple phrase, but God, makes all the difference. It's not that we're doom and gloom here tonight. Not at all. But God wants us to face the the far-reaching realities of our journey. We've read in Luke chapter 12 about a man that never thought about eternity. Didn't have to. Or at least he he didn't do it because, really, life was sweet. Life was good. Sowing season must have been tremendous, and uh, the summer season was even better, and the harvest season was the best of all, and he had this bumper crop, and he was faced with the problem as to what he was going to do with his crop. He says, I'm going to have to just build bigger barns. going to have to expand my property. You're going to have to address it. Good thing. But then he stepped into the spiritual, and he says, I- I'm going to be able to say to my soul, soul? Everything is great. Everything's fine. You've got a lot of years. You've got goods laid up for many, many, many years. Just take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. And the Lord puts a period at the end of that sentence. And maybe that's where you are tonight. Maybe you're just living for time. Maybe you're just living for the weekend. Maybe you're just living for what you can get out of it. For some, life is sweet. Life is promising. Everything's fine. And you are convinced that you have a long, long runway ahead of you. Life is going to go on unchallenged. Certainly it's going to continue and you're going to be able to accomplish all your dreams. Everything is fine. But the Lord Jesus said, but God said. And tonight we need to face the fact that there is an appraisal that heaven gives. Heaven's appraisal involves the fact that God is going to have the final word. You know, our very breath is in the hand of God. That's what the Bible says in Daniel chapter 5. 
We don't even think about that. We just take it for granted. We're in control. We can handle it. But the God in whose hand thy breath is and whose are all thy ways. At the end of the journey, there is an appraisal from heaven because God will speak. And God says, thou fool, because there was an appointment that he had to meet. And the appointment was this night, this night, this night. Not next year, not the year after, this night. And every single one of us will come to that moment when we have death's appointment, ready or not, young or old, healthy or ill. It's coming for all of us. This night will come. And alongside of this night, there is the individual's accountability. Your soul will be required of you. We are accountable to God. And there will come a moment when we will step from this life, time, into eternity. And we will commence an endless existence, conscious existence, either in heaven or in hell. I've often told of my dear friend that heard the gospel years ago in in Newfoundland, but he was rather unconcerned and rather flippant. His wife got saved that summer. He eventually moved to Toronto with his family, and his wife is in the assembly there, and so he began to attend on occasion. And one Sunday night, a number of years ago, the hymn was given out, Amazing Grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind, but now I see. And and the verse goes, when we've been there 10,000 years, bright shining as the sun, we've no less days to sing God's praise than when we first begun. And he thought, wow, 10,000 years? We'll have no less days to sing God's praise? That's a long time. Interestingly, he came back a number of months later. And wouldn't you know it, at the end of the service, the same hymn was given out. Amazing grace. When we've been there 10,000 years, bright shining as the sun. Now he's speaking about Christians now. We've no less days to sing God's praise than when we first begun. You know, when we go on holidays, there's always, or usually, there's a sense of anticipation. Two weeks in Bermuda. Two weeks in Hawaii. Wonderful. Two weeks on a cruise, man, that's going to be great. And you get on board the boat or you fly into Maui or wherever you're going to go and you say, man, two glorious weeks in this place, in this paradise. But I don't know about you, but, you know, after a week you say, oh, I've only got one week left. And then, you know, a few more days and you, oh, man, Saturday we've got to go and it's only two more days. And all of a sudden you realize the holiday's coming to a close. Going to have to leave and go back home. You know, that'll never happen in heaven. It'll never happen in eternity. No less days. So for those who are saved here tonight, we have a glorious future. This little dash between life and eternity, life and death, that will lead us into eternity. It will never end. That's a wonderful truth for those who are saved. That's an awful truth for those who are not saved tonight. Because, friend, if you miss heaven, you've missed it forever. If you've missed Christ, you'll be in hell forever. With no diminishing of days, with no ending of time. If we could tell you tonight that 10,000 years, you'll have another chance. There would be hope. But when you step into eternity, when you breathe your last, when you come to your last night, when you take your last step, when you make your last plan, and you breathe your last and you step into eternity, destiny will be sealed. Heaven or hell for all eternity. We have read tonight about the exclamation mark between Calvary and the empty tomb. You know, the gospel involves some tremendous truths. Number one, Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. And that he was buried and that he was raised again from the dead. Third day, according to 
the scriptures. We're tonight presenting a man, God's beloved son, the very son of God who came into this world by way of the virgin birth. That was not the start of his existence. That was his entrance into the history of this world. And to me, it's an amazing thing that the mighty creator would actually step into his own creation. I can't understand that, but I believe it. And as Mary held her firstborn son, she was holding the mighty creator. I'll tell you something else she was doing. She was holding her savior. Because you see, the father sent the son to be the savior of the world. And he came and he lived among men. People watched him. They scrutinized him. They could find no fault in him. There was no flaw, no blemish. Everywhere he went, he brought blessing. And thy friend, he desires to bring blessing to you. He desires that you might receive his gift, the gift of eternal life, that you might come to know him, that you might experience the forgiveness of sins. But oh, that pathway led to a cross. And the hatred of men was vented so vehemently and so personally. They arrested him in a garden. They took him to Pilate. They said, Pilate, we want this man dead. And they didn't stop until Pilate signed the decree. They led him out to Calvary. You know what took place there? Our hearts were revealed in their fullness. We despised and we rejected him. We didn't want him. We didn't need him. But Calvary night reveals the heart of God. God so loved this world of humanity. Could I make it personal? God so loves you that he actually gave his only begotten son. And tonight I'm able to say with thanksgiving, the son of God, he actually loved me. He loved me and he gave himself for me who willingly went to the cross, who identified with our sin. And in doing that, he had to suffer and bleed, and he died for our sins. He didn't have to, but that's why he came. That's the grace of God. That's the kindness of God. That's the love of God's heart. That's the love of the Savior tonight. And tonight, there are individuals here, and we can say the Son of God, he loved me, and he gave himself for me. Christ died. But let me tell you why. Christ died for our sins. And he was buried. End of the story. Is there a period there? No. We have read these thrilling words, but God raised him from the dead. And when people looked at that dead Savior and they thought, well, that's the end of him. Don't have to worry about him anymore. God says, you wait. And he takes us to a calendar. He says, look at the third day. The third day is going to happen. And sure enough, three days later, Easter Sunday morning, up from the grave he arose with a mighty triumph over his foes. And tonight we we're able to tell you with absolute assurance, though we have never seen him with these eyes, Jesus Christ is alive. And the risen Christ, friend, has changed the entire picture. The risen Christ means that God is absolutely satisfied with what his son has done. In fact, Romans chapter 10, verse 9 tells us that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. What's that verse all about? That verse is an acknowledgement of who Christ is. He is Lord. And that verse is an understanding of God's acceptance of that work. God raised him from the dead because God was satisfied with that work. And when an individual comes to that place where they understand all my sins were laid upon him, Jesus bore them on the tree. God who knew them laid them on him. And believing, I go free. God is satisfied. And when a person says, God is satisfied, I'm satisfied. And you receive Christ. You come into that eternal relationship and you'll enjoy God's salvation. What does the risen Christ mean to you tonight? I just enjoy telling about what took place on a Sunday morning in 1815. And I know that's going way back. But the Battle of Waterloo had just been fought. And all of Great Britain was waiting for news. Their general Wellington had gone over to, to do battle with Napoleon. 
And on Sunday morning, there was a message sent by semaphore by flag signal. Didn't have email in those days. Flag signal. It started to come across, and men had their telescopes or whatever they used to, to try and decipher this message, and it began to come through, and they got these words, Wellington defeated, and the fog rolled in, and all of Great Britain mourned. It was the worst of worst news that could ever be received. We've lost. And on Good Friday, the world got a message, Christ defeated, and the fog rolled in. But the next day, the message was sent again. Wellington defeated Napoleon. And all of Great Britain rejoiced. And tonight, friend, there is another message sent. Christ defeated Satan. I thought he's mighty to save. The risen Christ. He's coming again soon. We have read of God's wonderful grace. Of his amazing mercy. And if you have come tonight and you're wondering, could I ever be saved? You don't know about my life. Could I have forgiveness? You don't know what I'm into. Could I have everlasting life? The answer is yes, yes. For by grace are you saved through faith. Not anything to do with yourself. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. I trust that this tremendous truth, but God, will impress itself upon you. There is a God who desires to save you. There is a God who raised his son from the dead. There is a God who is rich in mercy, and he will save you. Yes, it is wonderful to know that despite our condition and circumstances, there is a God who will readily step into our lives and make a difference. We have all sinned against God and gone our own way, destined to reap the consequences of our willful disobedience. But God, God has responded to our need by providing a Savior to pay the debt that we could never pay ourselves. Don't be like the first man in our message who forgot all about his appointment with death. Be wise, won't you? And accept God's great offer of mercy today. If this or any of our Bible messages here at Anchor Point has made you aware of God's interest in you, or if you'd like some literature or a visit that would help you to understand these important truths, why don't you drop us a line at email at anchorpointradio.com. We'd love to hear from you. We're glad that you were able to join us at Anchor Point today. Anchor Point is sponsored by Christians who are meeting in various gospel halls. Each of these Christian assemblies holds gospel services every Sunday night, as well as regular prayer and Bible studies throughout the week. No collection is ever taken, and a very warm welcome awaits you. And if you've been challenged by today's message, would like to know more about the truth of the gospel, or of gathering under the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, following New Testament principles, please feel free to check out our website, at anchorpointradio.com. There you will find more information, as well as the location, programs, and meeting schedules for the Gospel Hall nearest you. Also, feel free to take a look at other literature and audio offers at anchorpointradio.com, where you can also subscribe to our Anchor Point podcast. My name is John Sharp, and thank you once again for listening, and we invite you to join us again next week at the same time for Anchor Point, where we believe that in times like these, You need a savior, and in times like these, you need an anchor.